Hey everyone, this is Kyle Wildner Higney, your host for Outcomes Rocket Pharmaceutical Podcast. Today, I have the distinct pleasure of introducing Sanjeev Luther. Sanjeev is the CEO and president of Raphael Pharmaceuticals. He joined Raphael in 2015 and is bringing more than 30 years of experience to the team. He has held positions in business development, strategic alliances, commercialization, and operations within Fortune 500 corporations, some of them including Bristol-Myers Squibb, Novartis, Bosch & Long, GE Healthcare, and others. Leveraging his expertise in pharmaceuticals and biotech, Sanjeev has shepherded Raphael as it continues to refine its corporate strategy and elevate its business portfolio. Thank you, Sanjeev, so much for joining the podcast today. Welcome. Thank you, Kyle. So, you know, maybe to kick things off, I'd love it if you could just tell me about yourself. You know, what drew you to the pharmaceutical value chain? Great question. So a little bit you talked about me anyways, to start with, you know, my name, as, I, as you pointed out, I'm the president and CEO of Raphael Pharmaceutical. I've been in the industry for a very long time. What about myself and then what drew me is actually connected. I'm an individual who has a passion for what, what he, he wants to do. And one of my passions has been hope that to help as many patients as we can. And that's mm-hmm. what drew me to Raphael Pharmaceuticals. And so just kind of expanding that, I'd love to dive into that a little bit more, but what really excites you? It sounds like that hope and providing hope to individuals. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about what Raphael Pharmaceuticals does? So Raphael Pharmaceutical is a unique company, very different than many others out there. We are in cancer metabolism, which is by itself uh, sets you apart from other oncology companies. So Cancer metabolism, of course, that sort of gives you in that we are in cancer, helping people with hard to treat cancers like pancreatic cancer, stage four metastatic, like AML in the lapse refractory setting. And then many ultra-orphan, very, very rare diseases like Burkett's, with only about 300 patients in the US. And their survival is anywhere from 30 to 60 days max. Wow. And there is no other company who's actually doing a trial in Burkett's today, except Raphael Pharma, because as I pointed out, it's all about that hope. And our goal is, and it continues to be for many years now, that if we can help, let's go out there and help as many people as we can. Yeah, that's great. And so these kind of rare diseases, right, or rare forms of cancer, is it just kind of one type of cancer that you focus on? Or is there, uh, I guess, how many individuals across the U.S. uh, could be treated through your therapies? So the drug is an investigational drug right now, but okay. given where we are in, in terms of indications, uh, you could treat upwards of 100,000 patients once wow. the drug gets approved after the trials. As, as I pointed out, pancreatic, pancreatic is a very large uh, patient population in, just in the US alone, but of course, across the globe, it's even larger. And um, the survival is um, you know anywhere from six to 11 months. And wow. then relapsed refractory AML is same. So the company is actually in many dead, uh, disease areas in cancer, not just the ones I'm. So it's AML, it's pancreatic, it's colorectal, it's biliary, it's um, MDS, it's T cell. Because the cancer metabolism drug, as I pointed out, sets us apart. It's agnostic to tumor type. So it doesn't matter whether it's a blood cancer or it's a solid tumor like pancreatic cancer. The drug works uh, across, at least based on our trials uh, to date, it works in all these. And uh, let's see as the trials um, read out, especially our phase three program uh, later, the, later later part of this year. Yeah. So 
that's a little bit sets us apart. And that's why you're able to go and treat many, many, many more people than a single drug would do, would be able to do. And so, you know, the drug completes phase three uh, later this year, which is very exciting. I'm sure it's been a long time working with them since 2015, right? Bringing these products to market. When can patients kind of expect to uh, start receiving these treatments? Is it just right after kind of complete the phase three? So great question. So the 20, uh, the phase three program, which is one of the largest phase three programs in pancreatic cancer done globally, the trial was actually completed about 17 months ahead of schedule last year, but now the readout course. So that readout of phase three is expected in Q4. Depending on that readout, you know, then you have to file an NDA with the FDA and that takes, and it does have fast track designation. So fast track allows you to get approval a little bit faster and you can do a rolling NDA and so on and so forth. But of course the data has to read out before you can do any of that stuff. So if everything goes on well, you could expect to have this drug next year, some point later in the later part of 2023, you know, or 2022, sorry. That's fantastic. And that really cuts, you know, connects back to what you were saying earlier about hope, right? I mean, cancer is such a prevalent condition out there and such a horrible disease. And it sounds like you're, what you're working on is really going to you know, value or impact many different patients out there. Uh, so that's just fantastic. You know, I think one thing I'd love to get your perspective on is, you know, across the industry, there's just so much innovation going on. There's innovation, you know, the type of innovation that you're working on, developing new assets and new therapies to treat patients. And then there's also uh, changes in kind of the, the value chain itself and uh, how drugs are kind of delivered or marketed to individuals. I guess what excites you most about where the pharmaceutical industry is today? I think what excites me most is that I think there is more, there are two things which are happening more than uh, they used to happen. Mm-hmm. One is collaborations. You know, there is this always this view that you're my competition. So why should I? I always say, no, you're my competition. Why, why not? Why should I not work with you, right? So right. I think that has started to change a little bit in the industry. And I think that creates even more innovation. Imagine two large companies working in the same area, but working separately from each other. But once, I, when, once they start to share the information, which then leads to this reliance on, even though we use this word called AI and big data, all yeah. of this stuff actually existed many, many years ago. We used to call it data warehouse. <laughs> when yep. I started in the industry, it has so I think these two things are sort of going hand in hand in this. So the industry has started to innovate faster, actually, right? Yep. And because of that, you know, collaborations and use of uh, AI information, and uh, and and I think that is what was ex- what is really exciting me about this industry, and and continues to. You know, I, I've been in this industry for such a long time, and I would I would dare not work in any other industry. I mean, this is the most rewarding. Yeah, it is a challenging industry because not every drug makes it to the market, right? Yeah. But on the other hand, you know, when you see the smile on that patient's face, you know, it says, wow. Yeah. I think I accomplished something today. And so the, you know, sharing of data across different organizations, do you see that as helping the industry identify new potential targets for therapies or is it kind of accelerating the uh, time that it takes to bring a product to market? How does that play out? I think both. 
Except I would say that acceleration is a little bit dependent on regulatory affairs too. <laughs> yeah. So I would say both of them, but I think it's more about the innovation of the next generation molecules, right? I think my view is that's where a lot more fastness, yep. as you pointed out, is going to happen. Yeah. I mean, from we've had many guests on the show and all of them are kind of looking at the pipelines of innovative pharmaceutical manufacturers such as Raphael and kind of understanding that there are new molecules being developed for these very specific patients and you know, trying to figure out how can we bring these to market so that as many patients as possible can have that hope that you talked about. And I think another, just to add to that, uh, Kyle, I think the one other, maybe a different thing which is happening now than happened 10 years ago, there is more focus on platform. It's no longer about a single drug coming out, right? I think it's the focus of the industry has changed to more of a platform base. And on that platform that generates many molecules, not one, not two. So I think that's partly being driven by AI and, and collaborations that yeah. the company, the pharmaceutical industry is moving more towards platform based development rather than a single molecule development. Yeah. And I'd love to maybe like double click on that. So, you know, this platform play, right? It's very common in tech and consumer tech specifically, but then kind of taking that model and applying it in the pharmaceutical space, is that mostly comprised of, you know, the um, kind of drug discovery process and early stage testing, or are there other facets of the platform that helps bring molecules to the market? Right. That's a great question. So it's, it's of course, linked to discovery. Yeah. But once again, discovery more broader, right? So, if I pl- so for example, let's take us. Cancer metabolism is a big platform, right? So once you have a drug which is, you know, has a signal uh, in this mm-hmm. area, you can then develop several to follow on the same platform. So yes, it's part of the discovery. Uh, you know, rather than doing a single molecule, wait, 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 wait for several years, then it fails, right? Yeah. Here you have multiple targets then as part of the platform. And you start to look at all of them simultaneously. That's great. That's so great. The more targets, the better hit rate, right? The, the fewer the targets, the, the worse the hit, hit rate, you know, so. Yeah. And I guess how many in your pipeline, kind of you're going through stage three or phase three right now, but how many different targets are you looking at? So the company has several pipeline targets, actually, as we speak right now. And, and the question is, how many of them can you can bring to phase one? Sure. Right? So as I said, the more, the better the hit rate, right? Mm-hmm. Fewer, the less hit rate. So <laughs> our focus is let's generate uh, as many as we can and then see which ones are the most potent and safer to That's move great. into humans. You know, so. That's great. And so, you know, from your perspective as president and CEO, um, what are the biggest challenges that you're facing in the industry right now? Actually, there are many challenges. Basically, they've all stayed the same over the years, but some then sort of you know, hierarchically move up and down right now, right? Mm-hmm. I think the biggest challenge our industry has always had was discovery <laughs> in a pipeline. Yeah. I think that continues to be a challenge, right? Number two is, I think that because of COVID, the industry has totally you know, outperformed than anybody ever imagined, right? So talent. Talent has become a big issue, challenge, because the turnover rate in the industry is much higher this year than it was two years ago. Wow. So that has become a pretty, which is a very good thing to talk about because our industry has gone through some ups and downs over the years. 
But right now, this industry is in a booming uh, place right now. You have more opportunities than people. Yep. So and do you do you that the tailwind from COVID, if you want to describe it as that, is going to continue on? Do you think there's going to be fundamental shifts among you know regulation or how the industry kind of operates from COVID, or is this just a, a temporal? I think there are, Kyle, I think it's a great question. Nobody knows the future, but <laughs> yep, I think yep. based on what I see is there are definitely going to be some fundamental shifts. So one of the things you notice is digital marketing. Now, it's funny that digital marketing existed in the consumer business for a long time. So, mm-hmm. so there, you are seeing that shift from, you know, salesperson calling one-on-one, face-to-face a physician, you know, all that is moving to tele. So telemedicine, you remember you can now have a call with your primary care physician via Zoom, right? So yep. same way a sales rep can detail a physician through Zoom, right? So that I think is going to fundamentally shift in this industry for good, right? That doesn't mean you won't have a touch. You will still have human touch somewhere, but more and more you're going to see that. Yep. Um, because of this huge throughput into the industry, I really believe this industry is actually going to take off even more. So right now there's a lot of focus on, you know, on COVID related, COVID related, but, but what that caused was a lot more investment came into this industry than ever before. So I think what was that's going to, a fundamental shift is going to also happen is you're going to be, have, you'll have, you're going to have more players, more, more investment and more things coming out of this industry. There'll be more innovation. And I think that is to stay now. I don't think that's going to change. There are some other changes which, which probably will go away. Like, you know, a lot of us want to work from home today. I think little slowly, slowly, even though there's a lot of resistance right now, but slowly, slowly people will see. Because in our industry, how do you innovate sitting at home? Think right. about it. Right. R&D is done in a lab, right? It's not done in your home on a desk. So I think that is temporary and that's going to change. That needs to, in my view, some people may disagree with me on that, but that needs to go back because the creativity and innovation happens by talking with each other in the same vicinity. Yep. That is one thing I noticed. In fact, we, in fact, there's data now available. So ASCO is a very large conference held in the U.S. Uh, in June. And then in July, you have ESMO in Europe. And one of the things which was very obvious was the industry suffered from research, actually. There was very little new stuff presented, actually, in both conferences. Very little. Otherwise, you have so many new abstracts and so many new clinical trials, so many new things. And this was one of the least when it came to that, you know, for both conferences, because the one is U- U.S. focused, one is European focused. They both have one of the largest conferences in, in oncology. Uh, and both of them were, I mean, I just wrote to somebody actually a few days ago that I'm seeing the effect of pandemic, that we didn't have that many new ideas or new thoughts or new things to present at these conferences, you know, both of them back to back. Sure. And so it sounds like the, you know, the investment that COVID catalyzed into the industry is net positive. It's going to provide a lot of hope for uh, patients that with many rare diseases, right? Where there's not currently a treatment on market, but, you know, there's also some challenges related to COVID as we've all been experiencing over the last 18 months or what feels like 10 years. Correct. Um, But hopefully it is coming to an end here shortly. And, you know, it's great having you into the show. And as you aptly said, no one knows the future, but it's really interesting to hear your perspective and your thoughts about it. I'd love it if you could give us a closing thought in the best place that listeners can collaborate with you. Thanks, Kyle, for giving me this opportunity. 
I think my closing thought is, look, this is all about hope and everybody should continue to put their head down and keep working and don't be disappointed if you have a failure because every failure turns into an opportunity at the end of the day. Again. And which that leads to that I think the, the more we collaborate with each other in this industry, the better we are going to be. Awesome. Sanjeev, thank you so much for coming in and uh, sharing your story with the listeners today. I really appreciate it and um, have a wonderful day. You too. 